entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professionals who seek excellence. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Here's Marty Wolf. Welcome to the Business Builders Show. I'm your host, Marty Wolf, and we've had some technical challenges, but here we are with <laughs> Tiffany Bova. Hi, Tiffany. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Marty. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm glad it all worked out. It, it did. You know, you have to overcome some challenges every now and then. Um, Tiffany Bova is uh, uh, one of my favorite authors, and we're going to talk about her latest book, which is titled The Experience Mindset, subtitle, which is important. Changing the Way You Think About Growth. She also has another book that's been out for a little while that I've been recommending to a lot of people. It's called Growth IQ. Get smarter about the choices that will make or break your businesses. I will say this. We'll, as we go through our conversation, we'll learn more about Tiffany. But I do want to mention that Tiffany has been named one of the top 50 business thinkers in the world by Thinkers 50 twice. She is the host of the podcast, What's Next? with Tiffany Bova, and uh, we'll learn more as we move along. Tiffany, great new book, The Experience Mindset. Uh, congratulations, and hey, congratulations on Tom Peters writing the forward. How about that, huh? Yeah, it was a full circle moment for me, actually. Uh, the very first business book I ever read was In Search of Excellence, and I, I put uh, in air quotes the word read, because my stepfather gave it to me. I might have been 17, 16, 17 years old. So it's not like I then sat down and read a business book, obviously. Um, He gave me that. And then right behind it, he gave me uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And maybe he was trying to tell me something. I don't know. But over the years, you know, it was really the first business book I ever read. And then fast forward many, many years, almost 30, we met each other, um, became friends. um, And he's been a great advisor for me over the years. And then I asked him as he was getting ready to retire, would he be willing to write uh, a forward for me? And and it just happens to be the last forward uh, he will write uh, now that he is retired. So it was a full circle moment for sure. Really blessed to have him have done it. And he's uh, one of your speech, uh, featured guests, I should say, on your on your podcast, What's Next with Tiffany Bova. I suggest people check that out. So uh, I want to start this way. The experience mindset, changing the way you think about growth explain to me what you mean by the experience mindset. Yeah, listen, it was it it kind of was an accidental title if you will. Uh I had embarked on 2 years of research um with the team at Salesforce on what was the connection points and levers that had the greatest impact between what an employee experienced and what a customer experienced. And what were those things? And so after about two years, we sort of, you know, were able to prove out many really incredible attributes, which I know we'll talk about. But when I was describing the book um, to leaders in roundtables initially, when I was first socializing the findings, I got asked the same three questions. One, if it's so obvious that happy employees lead to happier customers, if you get those two things right, right, you're going to get greater growth rates. I by no means am the yeah. first person to ever say that. But I was, we think, one of the first to actually prove the causation and and what aspects. The second thing I heard is who owns it? And the third thing I heard is what's the return on the investment? And so that who owns it comment was that, hold on, 
silo mentality. Let me put a leader. Let me give them metrics. Let me put people around it, right? It's going to become this group that then spearheads something internally. And I think it would have led us right down the path of where we are here today, which um, is not that optimal. So the experience mindset was really around changing the way they think when they make a decision Uh, for the customer, what's the implication to the employee? When they make a decision for the employee, what's the implication to the customer? And that's a mindset shift. And that's kind of how that happened. It it sure is. And I see glimpses of it as I talk with clients, but uh, there's a long way to go. And as you wrote about in your book, there's uh, been tons of money spent on improving the customer experience, but it appears to be, and maybe you can give me more of an answer, that there has not been anywhere near the uh, same amount of money spent on and invested in the employee experience. Is that a reasonably accurate statement? Yeah, I'd say the money has been spent in things like digital transformation, right? Automation, um, using SaaS-based tools or infrastructure as a service, whatever it might be, was about reducing the effort that a customer would have to put forth to do business with you, right? Early in the web, I was very early in the web, Marty. I think when you and I first met all the way back in 2000, um, you know, I was running uh, the U.S.'s largest web hosting company, and we were doing software as a service and infrastructure as a service. It wasn't called those things back then, um, but I was yeah. a Locust beta client and Constant Contacts beta client. So I was really early in that web evolution, if you will. And we would say, look, you can't ask a customer to click more than three times to buy something. That kind of philosophy, right, of design thinking. Now it might be one click. Now it might be voice, right? You say it in your house, like order this and it shows up. That was all about reducing effort to increase the experience for the customer. Unfortunately, the unintended consequence of that over the last 20 years has been a lot of the work that we've taken off the plate of the customer has moved to the plate of the employee. Behind the scenes, they're back there entering data or making things happen or clicking this or clicking that or chasing this or chasing that or getting approval for this. Um, Or it takes them 20 minutes to do a return in the system, yet it takes a customer 30 seconds to do a return in an app. That sort of disconnection between the amount of effort and experience, that is where we really saw um, the disconnection and the sort of gap between those two get larger and larger. And that is where the manifestation of that was the great resignation and quiet quitting and all the terms we used through the pandemic, right? Right. People were like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like it's just, it's just not worth, worth it. I'm not finding joy in it. It's repetitive. It's meaningless. Um, There's no value. Um, I would rather do other things. And so, you know, that's really where the employee experience plays a huge part in companies' abilities to grow. Yeah, we have both seen where there's been all this advanced technology put into an organization, and yet a high percentage of the people don't use it, don't use it at all, or don't use it as intended. We've both seen that, correct? Well, I mean, I'll just give this one stat. This is a MuleSoft stat. It's like the uh, the enterprise has an average of 1,067 unique applications inside of its organization. So let's call it 1,000. Let's just round, right? 1,000 unique apps. Now- Mind you, some of those like our financial services, right, or for the CFO or HR, let's carve those out. I don't know. I'm making this up. But let's say now there's 750 left, okay? Only 27% of those applications are actually integrated. 
So mm. the employee wow. faces this, right, right, five tabs open to do their job. We would never do that to a customer, yet we do it to employees all the time. So it's not about new and digital transformation. It's about lack of integration of what's been changed or processes that are broken or lack of training. So it's not that people aren't using it. It's that they're not using it as intended because it, the integration or implementation was never really finished. It was just sort of plugged in and then left to the employee to figure out how do I make this work in my day-to-day -day life. Yeah, and uh, my experience has been that uh, often the the users, the employees, are not asked uh, to contribute to that solution. They are not part of that solution. They didn't have the chance to weigh in so they could buy in. Is that have you seen that also? Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the things we found in the in the research, and I talk about in the book, is that we spend a lot of time going back to the previous uh, couple of questions with customer advisory boards, right? Ask customers what they want. Make sure that we're always thinking about the customer. Customer first, customer centricity. Meet them when they show up, all those comments, right? But yet we yeah. don't have employee advisory boards or employee resource groups that are around the technology they're using. Or we don't, we survey them about how happy they are working here, but we might not survey them about the tools they use and the processes and the training. Do they feel equipped to do their job? Are we setting them up for success? Yeah. Are we giving them career yeah. advancement and development opportunities? Or is it just you know all about productivity, more with less, more with less? Um, and I think that that's where uh, we really have an, an opportunity to improve that. So you know, going back to what you were saying, it, it's just it's a shame that we have not thought um, as comprehensively about the experience for employees as we have for customers, even though intuitively we know that if our employees aren't capable, our customers have a poor experience, right? If our employees don't know how to do something, they keep the customer on the phone longer. If the employees don't have access to, to actually um, answer or respond to what the customer needs, the customer gets frustrated. Yet we just don't then act on- Don't connect them. We don't connect them um, or, or worse off, worse off. We think we're connecting them and we're actually not doing that. You write about, uh, of course, in the book, I want to mention it again, uh, the experience mindset, changing the way you think about growth. Tiffany Bova is my guest. A great book. Great, great book. Uh, contact information for you, Tiffany, if people want to reach out to you. LinkedIn, uh, what would you like to recommend? Yeah. Contact information. Yeah, link, LinkedIn is great. Uh, unfortunately, I have no more connections left. I've maxed out, but you can follow me uh, and I'm pretty active on, on uh, you know, Twitter, whatever, That's X, whatever. Uh, and Instagram as well, but but LinkedIn for sure. You, I started to say, and I uh, broke my chain of thought there for a minute, but you talk about in your book is that possibly one of the issues is that there is usually somebody in charge, responsible for, accountable for uh, the customer experience. But who is in charge or responsible for or accountable for the employee experience, and you and you talk a lot about that in the book. Tell me more. Yeah, listen, I you know I in my past life uh, I was a research fellow at Gartner for a decade, and I was part of the team in two thousand and eight that made the prediction that the chief marketing officer would spend more on technology than the chief information officer. 
And I don't know if you remember, Marty, when we made that prediction, but everyone went, absolutely not. The CMO is not going to buy technology. It's search engine optimization. It's digital marketing. We're like, no, no. They're yeah. hiring reference architects. They're hiring design thinking teams. They're, they're hiring process engineers. Uh, they were doing what they were doing in the investments for technology around that topic. We were just talking about reducing effort to increase experience. And then we advocated for them to have a seat at the C-suite, right? They might have tucked under the COO or under the CEO, but they didn't have a seat at the mm -hmm. table to talk about what was important for customers. And now here mm -hmm. we are again, where the HR lead, chief people officer, chief human resource officer, doesn't always have a seat at the C-suite. They tuck under the COO Correct. or they tuck under the CEO. Correct. So I didn't want to go down the path of advocating for maybe that chief people officer to be at the C-suite. I'm not saying that that isn't a good idea or a bad idea. I'm saying that that's not the only way to get to the experience mindset. I think we've learned yeah. a lot from customer experience and having the CMO at the C-suite table that over time, yeah. it didn't matter that one person owned customer experience. Everybody understood their role. They understood net promoter mm. scores or CSAT scores. They understood what mm. customers wanted from them. There was more conversation about it. We need to do the same thing for employee. And unfortunately, we don't have the runway time of 15 years that it took us to get that customer experience stuff right, right? That everybody yeah. has to own that employee experience. And the recommendation in the book is you need IT because of the systems problems yeah. we just talked about. You need HR because obviously it's a people issue. Um, you want to have your chief customer officer or marketing officer or only ha whoever has customer experience. You want to have your chief sales, right, or revenue officer. And if you're a small business, it may be one or two people playing multiple roles right. or mid-market. You get into enterprise, you start to have those very distinct roles. But employee experience needs to permeate every decision made in the company. Everything. If you're going to launch a new tool, ask employees how would they use it? Where would they use it? Why would they use it? What could you eliminate if you add it? What needs to be integrated? What processes need to be fixed? The answers to your questions as an executive, I don't care, small, medium, or enterprise, lies Correct. with your employees and lies with yes. your customers. But unfortunately, we only ask customer and we don't tend to spend the same amount of time with employees. Here's the good news, listeners and watchers, is that there is uh, information in the book to help you do all of this. There are summaries at the end of each chapter. There's recommendations on where you can go and get might help, get that and all that kind of things that Tiffany is uh, is talking about. Um, you do have uh, descriptions of companies and people who have succeeded at combining the two of these. If I can put a plug in for one of my good friends, Doug Conant, and and you and you mentioned him and at Camels, but you also have a couple more. So who would you, who would you like to mention uh, in terms of people who have combined the customer and the employee experience very very well? Who would well, you like to mention? Well, I'm going to just lean into Camels because I I think it was really fascinating. Good. Yeah, it was really fascinating. Was they were doing really well on customer, but this little lurking yeah. issue in the background was employees weren't happy, and they weren't actually the leaders weren't looking at the surveys of employees to see over time that the satisfaction of employees was declining. And lo and behold, they started to see the impact of that in customer satisfaction scores as well as in their growth rates. So it takes a mm -hmm. leader who is willing to ask the hard questions and then when they find the information and uncover it, like at Campbell, right, where, where um, at Campbell's where the employees were not satisfied, hold on, let's double click. 
Let's go do something with Gallup. Let's do the survey. Let's uncover what it was. How do we rectify it? How do we fix it? Lo and behold, it doesn't happen overnight. It was a commitment from the C-suite and then, or the CEO really, and then all of the leaders tying compensation and metrics to performance. Yep. Um, all of those things yep. started to align and lo and behold, one year, 18 months, 24 months later, satisfaction of employees went up, growth rates grew exponentially, customer satisfaction went up, the flywheel effect was in, was in full force. Yep. Now, I am not saying that he read the book and that's what he did. What I did in Experience Mindset and my first book, Growth IQ, is I uncovered people who accidentally, right, realized there was a problem, realized yep. the connection between the two, put some effort behind it, learned along the way, started to see the results, but it's never one and done, right? This is absolutely a ongoing commitment to your employees. Otherwise, you're going to have attrition. You're going to lose top talent. You know, they're not going to be committed and willing to absorb all the change we throw at them from a technology standpoint, you know, and all the change yeah. we throw at them from an organizational standpoint. So, you know, it, other examples in the book are Chipotle. Um, there are, uh, there's Chewy, there's Zappos, there's Southwest. Um, there is- uh, But you got to talk to me about Best Buy. There is, Best Buy. About Best Buy. Yep. there is Best Buy. Yeah. Uh, my friend Hubert Jolet, who is the uh, former CEO and chairman of Best Buy, um, you know, he did something that uh, I still find fascinating that after, you know, a lot of undercover boss episodes that have shown on television, that still very few leaders get out of their office and go amongst the people who do the work. So what Uber yeah. did at Best Buy was his first two weeks as CEO, instead of sitting down with his leadership team and listening to what they thought was wrong or right with the business, he went and became a uh, CEO in training with a badge um, at a store um, for two weeks so that he could see customers and employees, he could see the store, he could hear the complaints, and he uncovered things that, by the way, employees had been grumbling about for some time, but yeah. whatever the reason, right? <laughs> The feedback yeah, never yeah. made it up to the C-suite. You know how that goes. Um, so uh, yeah. he implemented changes. And even if you walk into a Best Buy today, if I, my local one, which um, I often talk to Bear about, if there are any staff members who are still there when he was there and I bring up his name, they always glow about him, right? Oh, he was fantastic. Always accessible, answered my emails, like, you know, showed up in the store. Like that means something to people that the executives care enough um, to want to hear what they have to say and then not only listen, but act on it. And then not only act on it, but then come back and thank the people who came up with the ideas. Like what a novel idea, right? Like actually be human yeah. and, and lead with your heart. So <laughs> you have the data to support all this. We have success stories that, uh, that back all this up. <laughs> Why? Are so many companies not doing it? What's 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 the issue yeah. here, Tiffany? I guess we all have we have to sell more books for you to get this message out. Why is yeah. it not happening more than uh, than I think it should? Yeah, well, it goes back to those three questions. If it's so obvious, why isn't everyone doing it? The second one was yeah, I guess the second one was who owns it, right? And that's that fixed mentality. That's not a growth mindset, right? That fixed mentality is I need mm. a siloed group, not hold on, let me go and look. Um, and there are a few stats that I would call out here that the majority of organizations will survey their employees in some way. Unfortunately, three quarters of those organizations that survey their employees globally don't know what to do with the data they collect. 
So they're surveying, then they're not capturing it, doing anything with it. So then the employees just go, I, I don't want to respond anymore. So some of this is to do things that are hard. Talk to employees, listen, be willing to change the status quo. You have to go in and create an environment where IT, unfortunately, um, is the Achilles heel in this. It, it is not possible to turn the corner on this unless IT, HR, you know, the customer group, right? Those organizations that are customer facing get together and really understand where are the opportunities for improvement. Uh, and it's not a quick fix. Uh, the other thing is, is that how do they measure it? Most leaders are very metric driven. And so I give in a whole chapter is dedicated to metrics. Here are the metrics for customer experience. Here are some correlating ones for employee experience. I try to help respond to those normal questions, but the proof is really in the pudding. The research showed that companies that get this right have a 1.8 times faster growth rate than those that don't. So for a billion dollar brand, it's a $40 million impact. Now, if you're listening to this and you're a $3 million wow. company and you have a growth rate of you know, 6%, could you get a growth rate of 75 or 8% just by fixing this? Maybe so. We also found that, that brands that are able, well, in this particular case, it was a retail case study, they were able to improve revenue per head, per hour by 50% by fixing the wow. attributes on the employee experience side. So there is some metrics to back up the ROI investment, which I think gets the executives a little more interested because if they go, oh, it's this feel good stuff and I can't measure yeah, it. Touchy feely stuff. I'm touchy feeling, I'm not gonna do it. Um, you know, yeah. that, then this, this helps overcome that objection. Uh, but I think that um, being customer centric is great. And I just wanna clarify something. This is not a, customer first or employee first. This is an and play. This is to and, make sure yes, good point. that you, when you make a decision for the customer, you assess what is the impact to the employee. When you make a decision for the employee, assess the impact to the customer. If I can get you to just do that, then the book has been a success because you may well, uncover- Well, the book has been a- Go ahead. The book has been a success for me already and several clients. I'm not sure where this came from, who says this, where this came from. Companies thrive when employees do. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Holy moly, right? Listen. That's, that's what we're talking about. Huh? Yeah, and, and if you look, we could just look across the U.S. landscape right now. Who, you know, whose mantra since the beginning of time of this particular company was we want to be the most customer-obsessed company on the planet? Yeah. Right. I'm going to assume it's am Yeah. Right. Okay. How happy are their employees? Uh, I'm not going to answer that question. Okay. <laughs> so the, the point is that even if you're growing and growing exponentially and your customers are really yeah. happy, it does not mean your employees are. Starbucks is another example, uh, yeah. right? If your employees are happy, it doesn't necessarily mean you're growing or your customers are happy. Right. So you, you are still going to get some goodness if you're good at one or the other. But when that flywheel, when that ripple effect, when that sort of ability to leverage both of those parts of the business are in greater harmony, you get that multiplier effect. And so if you are listening to this and your mantra is 
We're the most customer centric. You know, we, we care about our customers. You're our first priority. Don't forget it sends a signal to your employees that they're second or third, yeah. or you don't care about them. So yeah. we want to make sure yeah, exactly. that this is an and play, right? We can't deliver great customer experience unless our employees are happy. They will start to, it will start to degrade uh, uh, um, the ability for you to keep consistent. For example, are the packages showing up damaged? Are they just thrown at the front door? You know, is, is the food cold? Do they not know about something? Like we remember the experience we have with companies every single day and the people, the keepers, the keepers of your company promise are the employees, not your executive team, not the PowerPoint presentation, not your mantra on the wall, not your vision. It's the people. So if you don't invest in them, right, if they don't thrive, the business won't thrive. So we need to wrap up. My guest has been Tiffany Bova. You can find her on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. The book we've been talking about is The Experience Mindset, Changing the Way You Think About Growth. I can give this my wholehearted support. Uh, go out and buy it. Tiffany, um, thanks again for a great interview, and uh, I'm sure the book is already selling gangbusters. And uh, thank you so much for your time on the Business Builder Show. Well, thank you for having me, Marty. It was a pleasure seeing you. Thank you for listening to The Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Find all our shows and many other great podcasts at businessbuildersmedia.com. That's businessbuildersmedia.com.